Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome to your partner in success radio, the Closers Inner Circle podcast with your host, Denise Griffiths and Ben Gay III. And today we're talking about mentoring, which is something that Ben and I both do in our respective industries. Now, Ben is known as a living sales legend. I, however, am not legendary yet, but I plan on getting there. But I do know quite a bit about podcasting, being a very early adapter. In fact, my podcast, Your Partner in Success Radio, is now 15 years old, which is pretty astonishing because I swear to you, when I first started, there were maybe 10 of us out there. And now with the proliferation of podcasts just popping up everywhere as they should be, there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. Some are doing very well, some are not. And we're going to talk a bit about some of the issues that podcasters may be having. And honestly, my podcast is so popular, not because of me. It's because of consistency, number one. I show up every week, twice a week. And really, the truth is, it's about my guests. Now, Ben has been my guest multiple times, and now he's my co-host. It's really people get to hear us, they get to hear our thoughts, they get to hear what we have to teach. We're doing our absolute best. And let's face it, podcasting is marketing 101. Ben is in sales. I'm a marketer, but I'm also a podcaster and a web developer. Literally, I'm a nerd in stilettos. But podcasting is so important to me. We're going to talk a lot about that. So Ben, good morning. Welcome. It's always good to chat with you each week. Good morning to you. You're uh, you're legendary. You just don't know it yet. Most people are legends in their own mind. Uh, you haven't caught on yet, but you are extremely well known. And uh, I've picked up clients and friends and so on and frequently hear, how did you get to meet Denise Griffiths? You know, I, I thought, well, uh, see, I answered the phone or she, you know, whatever. But to them, it's amazing. They're not used to operating uh, with people like you. And so uh, it's an honor to be with you. And let's do some good. Thank you. Now, we've known each other, I don't know how long now, but you came on my show six, seven, eight years ago. It was a long time ago. And, And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I have gotten... It really, the shows that you are with me on are the most highly rated. People love you, but I'll never forget this. I mean, the first one that we did way back in the day, my phone rang at, I think it was 11 o'clock at night. Now in my house, 
if my phone rings past nine o'clock, your house better be on fire. Something better be wrong. <laughs> As I <laughs> say be- to my friends, are you bleeding from an open <laughs> artery? That's exactly right. <laughs> but it was a friend of mine from California, and she's a very dear friend of mine. She's a brilliant girl. She used to work with Tony Robbins, directly with Tony Robbins for 13, 14 years. She knows her stuff. She was out walking her dog. She lives in San Diego, and she was walking her pups. And it was late. It was about 9 o'clock at night for her. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I hear this voice say, Denise, I just listened to you and Ben Gay the third. It was like listening to two old friends sitting in front of, front of a fireplace having a brandy. Now, I don't drink, but I got the image. I got the imagery. And she was dead serious about it. And I've heard something along those lines many, many times over the years. Well, we bonded rather quickly. Uh, we did. I'm a pretty good judge of character and rather quickly i figured out you were something special in fact another funny thing about that i didn't realize it was that long ago but i remember sometime in the in the middle of it say you said something about the recording and it dawned on me that we were recording i was just chatting with you and i thought we'd start recording it sometime in the future (laughs) this is an hour later you should have twigged (laughs) yeah so i'm running through my mind oh you are already recording what did you say that maybe wasn't meant for recording but nothing so we we were good but that's how relaxed I was with you from the first time where frequently uh on when I'm a podcast guest uh I have to really be alert as to what's going on because they don't know what's going on and uh, I have some excellent people that I guest on their show, uh, and most are perfectly normal people, and they do fine. But some, uh, you know, it, it's uh, frightening that there's a power of the microphone in the hands of people who really shouldn't have a microphone. There is that. Uh, yeah. you know, podcasting, like I said, is marketing 101, and how you show up is how you show up. So, you know, don't talk over your guests. Don't constantly be, you know what I I really hate? I'm going to interrupt myself a bit. I've heard podcasts that they'll ask the same eight or nine questions over and over again. It's the same every time. They'll ask a question, they'll get the answer, and they move on. How tedious is that? That is not a conversation. There's a a, uh, old radio thing that, you might want to look up. It's a lot of fun <clears throat> and your guests can find it too. But there was a comedy duo known for radio. Uh, they didn't transfer to television very well, but they were known as Bob and Ray. And uh, they have a, a sort of like Abbott and Costello, who's on first. One of Bob and Ray's classic recordings is about the kimono lizard. One is interviewing the other one the other one being an expert on the kimono lizard. And uh, if if they check it out, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But the gist of it is the kimono lizard expert makes statements about the kimono lizard. You know, it's a gigantic lizard that can grow up to eight feet long, to which the interviewer says, well, how long can they get? And it goes on like that over... Every question is based on the answer he already gave. 
And uh, I feel that's that way some time on podcasts. I've come, you just said seven or whatever. I've come with 10 questions and I'm going to ask them no matter what. Right. You know, yeah. How are you today? Well, my brother-in-law died a few days ago. Hmm, that's interesting. Why'd you get into selling? Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I do. I think, and in fact, I don't think this, I know this because I've never done anything different than I did from the very first podcast. Now, keep in mind, 15 years ago, there was nobody there to teach me how to do a darn thing. Not that I'm teachable. Let's just get that. Out of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what? <laughs> yeah. So I probably didn't miss much, but I did it my own way, which was to always 60 minutes have a conversation. And I've never changed that premise ever. And it works. And so many people will say, oh, my God, that was the best conversation. That's the key word for me, mm-hmm. conversation. And people will say, you know, it's, yeah, it's an interview, but it's also about me pulling the best of you out of you. And I thoroughly enjoy that. I really do. I get to meet people from all over the world, literally from all walks of life. Mostly it's a business podcast, but every once in a while we'll wander off into something spiritual or, you know, just something that's of interest to me, but I'm never bored. And I don't think my, my audience is either. Well, you do an excellent job at what you do. You make people feel comfortable and uh, give them room to, uh, uh, with some podcasts, I'm trying to wait for them to take a breath so I can state something about what I do or whatever. Because the guests are there, uh, let's be open and honest, for exposure. You know, if that's there is no other reason and uh, someone told me the other day would you be a, a guest on my podcast i think it was an email and uh, the only deal is we won't we're not going to mention your books or your mentoring or anything just a conversation purely about selling and i said well it, it's been real nice knowing you and i wish you the best because if I can't talk at least a little bit about what I do and what I offer, I'm not interested. It's and how you got there. Right. Yeah. And how you got there. And here's the thing, Ben. Podcasting is not just about being heard. It's about being unforgettable. Yep. And in a world where podcasts have become a dynamic and influential influential platform, again, Marketing 101, the role of a guest has transformed way beyond just sharing expertise. It's Mm -hmm. about being a lasting impact and becoming a sought-after voice in your field because when you are a guest and you're showing up, you're giving people like you do information like, oh, let me go look that up. Uh, uh, uh." People are writing notes down. And if they're not taking notes while they're listening to your podcast – you're leaving something off the table and you need to figure out what it is. Yep. I take notes when you and I are talking. I have a, a legal pad beside me right now and uh, I'll, I'll frequently make notes. Since you and I just do voice, it's easier, but I've mastered writing without looking at the legal pad when I'm doing a video podcast with somebody because I, A, I'm learning, uh, B, I'm also trying to remember. They brought up a good point. I want to expand on that without forgetting what it was and uh, so on. So it is a uh, a growing 
uh, art form and like is like artists. I've known some great artists. Thomas Kincaid, I wouldn't, I don't know if he's a great artist or not, but he's a popular artist, sold more paintings than I think anyone in history is from Placerville, California, our little town. He's dead now. But we have art galleries up and down the street, most of which are filled with scribbles. So there's artists, capital A, and they're artists, lowercase a, and there are a lot of lowercase a's in the podcast business. There are a lot of lowercase podcast hosts. And you've risen above that. And I'm excited about you doing things now. I've told people for a long time, if you're going to get into podcasting, get in touch with Denise, she can show you how to do it and and, uh, so on. But making it more official and formal is fantastic. If I had any desire to have my own podcast, uh, you would be the first place I would go. Well, and that's how you landed here as my Mm co-host. You wanted to be on a podcast, but you did not want to have to start your own. Listen to y'all listening to us. It's work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of being very thoughtful. It's work. It really, really is. You can't just pick up a a headset or a microphone and go, I'm a podcaster. No, you're really not. God bless you, but you're really not. And you're probably not going to get past three or four episodes before you toss in the towel. And I don't want to see people doing that. But you and I have talked about this for a long time, I mean, I'm in the middle, or I'm towards the end of writing a book, which you have promised to write the the forward for me, and thank you. But I've been threatening to, you know, put out some courses and some mentorships for a long time, and shame on me, I just didn't do it until it hit what I consider critical mass, because I've been, and tell me if I've already said this, my brain is just running around like a little, I've got a, a squirrel going on in my head, but, you know, I've been having a lot of conversations with podcast hosts and with guests and people like you. And I finally realized something really important and that's there's a big gap when it comes to truly excelling as a guest, not a host. There's a ton of information out there on how to become a host, you know, where to host it, what to do. Some of it's okay information. Some of it's like, Ooh, follow them. And I'll tell you to follow. I'll tell you not to follow too, but it's not just about showing up and talking. It's about leaving your mark. And as we mentioned, engaging listeners and becoming a sought after voice that it's so important. Get your voice heard being a sought after voice in your field. So I decided I finally had to do something about it. And honestly, hosts want guests who can resonate with their audience. You do. I mean, you are always in my top three people downloads always 100% of the time and guests or hosts are seeking guests that have a credible track record. And that makes it challenging to find these people who have a credible track record because this is all kind of new. So they may be speakers. They may be authors. They may be, you know, terrific business owners, but they've never really been on podcasts. They don't know where to start. And I'm going to give you an example. I had a gentleman, bless him. He wanted and still wants to be on my podcast so bad. And he would sit, we're in several different groups together so he can reach me on Facebook. And he would send me notes, Denise, I really, really want to be on your podcast. And I went and I looked for him online and there's nothing there. He's a very nice man, but his website was 
junk. It really was. There were no call to actions. It was kind of jumbled. It was his website was basically him just putting down his thoughts, which is fine if you're not trying to monetize it or get people to actually pay attention to you. And he kept saying, but I, I've got a lot to say. And I, I can see that on your website, but, <laughs> and, and I could, I was like, Oh geez. And you know, me being me, I wanted to break that website and start it all over again. <laughs> I really <laughs> did, <laughs> but I didn't offer, but, and he just kept, uh, you know, I kept, you know, I can talk about this and I can talk about that. And I said, okay, where's your call to action? Well, I don't have one. And I mean, he would get more and more kind of head up as we say in the South head up, you know, I'm, I'm you're borderline hysterical. And finally I said, listen, just give me a call and we'll talk about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he called me and I explained to him why he was not ready to be on my show and bless him. I gave him homework. I did. I gave him about three months worth of homework and he's working on it. He's he wants to be a podcast guest, but he has at this point nothing. But that doesn't mean he's not going to try again. Well, the, uh, the, you got to start somewhere. None of us exactly. were experts day one. Exactly. And if uh, you don't know what you don't know, you can't just pop up and, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter and say, Hey, Denise, I want to be your guest. Well, okay. What you got? Ooh, you've got nothing. Now what do we do? <laughs> yep. I, uh, thinking of early presentations, I mean, in-person speeches and meetings of various kinds. Uh, I sometimes will have a mild nightmare about one of those events and I wake up wanting to call the people that were in the audience. If I knew who they were and apologize. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, oh, I yeah. was, you I was should hear trying. some of my early ones. They're just, I, I tried to listen to some of my early ones and went, Oh, I'm, <laughs> exactly. I've got to go outside and kick a tree. Yeah, I'd rather have root canal work done than listen to someone. They hauled me. I want to talk about you and your, and your mentoring program, but let me just give you a quick one. They, I was holding meetings in Atlanta, in a multi-level marketing company. I'm starting to do well. And they asked me to go down to Florida, a bunch of us. And, uh, give a all day meeting, not just me, but other people. So I got in the car with Bill Dempsey, my sponsor, Jimmy Rucker, the greatest salesman I ever personally worked with my partner in the back seat. And I think my sister-in-law and we're on the way to Orlando, Florida. And Bill Dempsey told a joke that I just, you ever heard a joke? You may be the only one who appreciates it, but it just really gets to you. Uh, it was about a guy in Atlanta who used to sell newspapers, and we of a certain era knew that if you drove past, nobody knew why, but if you drove past him and yelled, uh, hello, Henry, out the window, uh, he would throw his newspapers down and yell and scream and leap up and down and so on. We found that terribly amusing. We were probably making fun of a mentally ill person, but uh, we were young and stupid. So Dempsey begins to tell the story, his Henry story. Uh, walking down the street with a guy from California and he sees the newspaper vendor leans over with his back to him leans over on his friend's side taps the Henry on the shoulder says hi Henry and jumps back well the guy turns around hits him in the face with a full stack of newspapers 
staggers him down to one knee and he's leaping up and down and running around him and so on. The way Dempsey told the story, I got hysterical because I could picture it. I knew right where they were. I, I knew Henry or knew of him and so on. I got hysterical in the car. And I, I have the ability, doesn't happen often, but I have the ability to laugh out of control. You know, where people get up and leave the room, they say, well, that's going to be another 20 minutes. We'll come back. <laughs> so, uh, we, we I mean, get, where you're crying and your stomach hurts and you can't stop. Yeah. Can't get catch there, my breath. Yep. And uh, so anyway, we drive to Orlando. By then I pull myself together to get there, clean up in the hotel room and so on, go into the meeting room and I'm on first. So I go up front and, and uh, <clears throat> said good evening ladies and gentlemen which was about all I really had to say <laughs> beyond that it was going to get a little thin anyway and uh, I look in the back of the room Dempsey is holding one end the roll end of a big sheet of butcher paper Rucker is backing across the room pulling it out like a banner and on the banner is written where they found the butcher paper and where they found a marker's pen. And when they had time to do this, all I did was go change into a suit. It said in foot, uh, two feet tall letters, Henry, Henry, Henry. I, oh. glanced, I glanced at that, dropped to my knees and began <laughs> shrieking in front of four or 500 people. And uh, they're, of course, looking at me because very few people actually seen a person go crazy in front of them. And they're looking well, at that me. Was, and this is now, it happens on every street <laughs> <laughs> And as they come down and pick me up under the arms and begin dragging me out of the room for the next speaker to go on, I'm turning to people, you know, on either side of the aisle. I'm going, Henry, Henry, Henry. Like if they hear that, they'll understand while I'm in hysterics. The sign, of course, is long gone. And Dempsey and Rucker are looking at me like, oh, it's so sad to lose a friend like this. <laughs> they took me out, I'll never forget, into a large wicker chair in the lobby of this hotel in Orlando, flopped me in it and said, stay here till you're okay. And then they went back and held the meeting. So that's my entry into, I'd, I'd had smaller groups, but that was my entry into semi-big time speaking, and I totally blew it. And in the podcast business, I see that all of the time. So how are you going to prevent our listeners who like to get into this industry from going through all that and get good guests and so on since you've mastered it? Well, honestly, I have been so lucky with my gas and I am blessed, and I've said this many, many times, I've been blessed over the years interview authors, and you know I love to read. I've got hundreds of books in here, and I've read every single one of them. They're part of my entrepreneurial library. And because of that, and again, because having done this for so many years, I never go look for guests. I just don't. I'm actually in the, sometimes I have to turn them away. They're just not ready. And I hate that. I can't even tell you how much I hate that. And then I'm watching people saying, oh, I've got this great podcast. You know, I'm so in love with it, but I can't find guests. Well, let's help. Because like I say, there's a lot of people out there. Oh, I've got a podcast. You know, you know I, I'm a host. Okay, come be on my show. But that's not going to do it. 
really what you want to do, and I've got, I need some help here. Right now, this is a temporary, um, I'm calling this Amplify Your Voice, Discover How to Become a Highly Sought After and In-Demand Podcast Guest. That's a working title. It needs to be shortened. So yeah, I would it, say it doesn't yeah. roll off. Tom. It does not, but that's how excited <laughs> I was. I was like, oh, okay, I've got to get it all there in the title. This is, in the, Denise, calm down. <laughs> get over yourself. So anybody who's listening, I'm taking suggestions. But honestly, it is, you really do have to do your homework. If you're going to be a guest, you have to craft compelling pitches. You have to understand that levering personal anecdotes is important. We want conversations. We want to, in your words, Ben, know you, like you, and finish it for me. Uh, Know you, like you, trust you, and feel safe with you. Denise, I can't hear you. I, oh, I'm sorry. There we go. I, I muted you accidentally. But the truth is, personal anecdotes add depth and rela- relatability to your insights. So you need to have, you know, these experiences, you know, strategically incorporate your experiences like you do into conversations and making your message resonate on a personal level with listeners. If you're being a guest, you want to build lasting relationships, not with the host, but with the audience. You need to learn how to cultivate those connections and become a trusted source for valuable insights. You want to be invited back. In my world, one of the best things I can do for you is say, listen, that was such a terrific um, interview with you. Can I introduce you to other hosts that I know? I introduce most of my guests weekly constantly. I mean, that's, you want to share what they're doing. And then if you're going to be, I mean, there's a lot going on. I'm just going to touch on the high points, but you need to maximize the impact of your guest appearances. You need to promote your appearance. You need to say thank you to the guests. Don't just disappear. You need to position yourself as an authority and you need to give your, your host a lot of love, a lot. I spend a lot of time with my host saying, thank you. What can I do for you? Who can I introduce you to? I make sure that those podcasts are put out there for years. I mean, I just posted one not too long ago. This from eight or nine years ago from Larry Wingett. You know, I post the ones from you that are six or seven or eight years ago. Those keep popping back up. If they've sent me books and I've got books all over this room and I have read them, I promise you, I review them. My cat is drinking my tea and it's hot. What the heck? (laughs) You you can't trust a cat. (laughs) It's green tea. I hope it doesn't make him sick. But, you know, I will spend a lot of time reviewing these books. I make sure that they're out there. Pictures of the books are out there. Give your your host a lot of love. Make sure that they know how much you appreciated it and share what they're doing. Not just yours, not just the one that you're in. If you're paying attention to your host, you're going to find that they've got a lot of stuff to share. And a lot of it's pertinent to your audience. Share it. Don't be greedy. Share it. There's just so, so much. But basically what I'm doing, Ben, and I actually had this conversation 
few weeks ago with a guest that was just phenomenal. He really was. And I love, love, love his book. So I always say thank you. As you know, I call and say thank you after the podcast is over. And honestly, that's where a lot of the magic happens. And I was telling him that I had this idea that you and I had talked about it a bit. And, you know, basically that I wanted to help people become guests. He said, Denise, you know, and he was sent to me by an editing home, editing house. I mean, he was, I get a lot of PR people sending books to me, so I don't have to go hunt for them. And he said, do you know, and I found this interesting, I think you will too. He said, one of the things when I went with this, this company, one of the things they said was, here you go, here you go, here you go. And by the way, as an afterthought, a complete afterthought, if you don't know how to be, you know, they want you to be on podcasts. They do, you know, and they're saying, okay, as part of our service, we're going to get you on podcasts. Oh, and by the way, and this really got me, if you don't know how to be a good podcast guest, we can teach you for a hundred bucks. And I went, what? (laughs) (laughs) And we had about another poor guy. We talked for an hour on the podcast and we talked another two hours. He's a professor. He was at work. He didn't care. He wanted to talk. And I mean, he picked my brain. I picked his and I thought, you know, it really is. That's a problem. You know, people are, there's all these podcasts, you know, I don't know what you call them agencies. We'll get you on. We'll get you on. And they'll slap together a quick one sheet, but that's about it. They're not really showing you how to show your butt up and do a mm-hmm. good job. So I figured that was my new mission. Absolutely necessary, needed. I think so. I think so. And I, I had no idea because, you know, sometimes you're just too close to it. And can I write about being a podcast host? Oh, yeah, I'll do that in my sleep. <laughs> but being a guest, that's a whole different thing. And I think it's time. So what I've done, and you and I, again, you and I talked about this, is that I'm creating, it's like a mentoring program that will be six weeks long. It will be on Zoom. You will have access to me via email at the end of it. You will be able to pitch me and let me know if you are now capable or, you know, good enough mm-hmm. to be on my show. At the end of that, then you have free access to the the virtual, you know, format mm-hmm. Well, so you don't ever lose it. You don't lose any of the Zoom. You don't lose it, but you're just, you're added into the virtual part of it. So it's always there for you. And I can't wait. I mean, once that kind of landed in my head, I went, oh, so off I went. I'm frequently asked, I'm known as a pretty good storyteller. And I'm asked, how did that happen? I said, I was raised in the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you got to do listen to people around you and and uh, uh, go to church and that's not a religious commercial it's a there are great stories in church from the congregation and frequently hopefully from the altar and one of the things that the the good old southern boys and girls have going for them is they're used to telling stories and whether they're aware of it or not Here's the old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Absolutely true. So they talk in word pictures. When you listen yeah. to listen yeah. to Zig in the old days, uh, he and I sort of came up together, although he's old enough, was old enough to be my father, barely. But we, we both started hitting the big time on the same day in the same meeting and uh, so on. So I, I got to grow with him. 
and watch them. And uh, when Zig told a story, you got where you thought you knew the people uh, in the in the story. You know, like I, they were personal friends of mine. And he rarely told any story without saying uh, this old boy back home, you know, or something along those lines. But frequently they had names in them and those people became my friends. I don't think I ever met one of them physically, but he made them come alive and uh, made you really tune in. Can you imagine if Zig had lasted long enough for podcasts and so on? What a great guest and host he would have been. Wait, did I ever tell you how I, I came across Zig Ziglar? No. I was, this was, oh gosh, I bought my house in 2005 between Hurricanes Katrina and Rita, literally. I bought it online the day it listed because houses here were being sold sight unseen because mm-hmm. hurricanes. So right after that, I was out, you know, I took my car out for a ride. She liked it when I went to garage sales. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so <it wasn't laughs> and I wound up at a garage sale and there was this little plastic binder. I still have it. It's a little white plastic binder and it said five cents. And I opened it up and here's, I think, six cassette tapes, cassette tapes. Mm. This is how ago this was. And I didn't know how I was going to play those cassette tapes, but I said, I remember saying to myself, what the heck is a Zig Ziglar? I had no idea. (laughs) I I didn't know. But it was a fascinating title, name. I didn't even know it was a real person. So I got home, dug out my old boombox and went, oh, and I fell in love with Zig Ziglar. He was a master. And in there somewhere were probably at least three stories, biscuits, fleas, and pump handles. Pump Uh, handles, I remember. Yeah, and the pump handle, the pump, uh, I made a deal with him early in our relationship. He and I answered the same ad, went to the same recruiting meeting, and joined the same business on the same day, Wednesday, September 15th, 1965. And we met because he heard me introduce myself to the receptionist and he started laughing at Ben Gay. I'm used to Ben Gay jokes. So I turned around and said, hi, I'm, I am Ben Gay. What's your name? And he said, Zig Ziglar. I said, your name is Zig Ziglar and you're laughing at Ben Gay. And we laughed and, and became buddies from that time forward. Just an absolutely great guy. But as I figured out that he had more speaking experience than me, I had none. <laughs> He'd been giving chats in churches and in a couple of failed business enterprises. And uh, one of his talks, he, he always did biscuits. This, this old cook in his neighborhood always served the lightest, fluffiest, most wonderful biscuits. And one day they were flat and short and hard and, and he says, "What the biscuits are wonderful, Miss Hattie, or whatever her name was, but they're different. She says, well, Mr. Zig, uh, they squatted to rise, but they got cooked in the squat. Oh. And so that was, and people are like that, and blah, blah, blah. And the fleas thing was, you can put, fleas can jump, I'm making up numbers, but three feet in the air or something. But if you put them in a jar, they'll jump about to the lid of the jar six inches or whatever and if you leave them in there for a day you can take the lid off the jar and they'll never jump out of it 
they've they've gone from three foot jumpers to six inch jumpers conditioned in less than a day and people are like that people you know go on and then the pump handle thing was you have to prime the pump and if you don't keep pumping once you've primed it it won't work and so on well that pump i saw him hauling it in one day to a meeting getting the rust on his suit because his original pump he when he retired and then died his original pump was gone by now it was stainless steel or aluminum or something but when i knew him in the beginning it was literally a pump off of somebody's farm and it had some rust on it and got on his suit and i saw him hauling it out of the car and i thought to myself this is like elvis elvis in the early days probably unloaded the instruments from the car but not after he became elvis he shouldn't be seen doing that so i said zig i'll make you a deal i get to come to any speech you give free sit in the front row free take notes write questions down and have lunch or dinner with you that same day in return for that i will haul the pump into the meetings and out of the meetings after it over he said deal <laughs> so i i must have hauled that stupid rusty pump into and out of 50 meetings before i pretty much had what zig was doing and thanked him for it and there's another thing about being a, a potter a cast guest you can study all the others and learn from them, but you shouldn't try and be a carbon copy of them. You exactly. will, a, you'll never be a good carbon copy of them. Uh, and B, then you'll stop being yourself. So I learned a lot from Zig about speaking, but I never tried to be Zig Ziglar. And I, I never tried to turn into a good old country boy because I wasn't. I was born in Massachusetts, spent part of my life in California, and then sort of grew up in Atlanta. So I observed the good old Southern boys, but I really wasn't one of them. I learned from them, but I never tried to be one. And uh, so among the things I know you're going to teach them is listen to other podcasts, listen to guests, whether they do right or they do wrong, but do the best you can be, not a shallow pale imitation of fill in the blank it, exactly. won't, it won't work it will not and one of the things as a host not as a guest one of the things as a host i don't do and i don't do it deliberately and frequently people say oh well you know you go listen to me on this podcast this podcast and i won't i absolutely will not yeah. because i don't want to have in my head what they were talking about when I'm having a conversation with you, it's all brand new. It's a conversation. Mm -hmm. We at the time don't know what we're going to talk about. We have a list, but we don't know how it's all going to unveil itself. But I never go listen to my guests anywhere else. I don't want to taint my mind with it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Johnny Carson on the old Tonight Show would not visit with a guest in the green room or the whatever or in their dressing room or whatever, even though he knew many of them, you know, they were personal friends. But on the day of the show, he wouldn't visit with any of them. And when asked about it, he said, I don't want to leave the interview in the dressing room. Right. That's exactly right. So I will often ask in my, my scheduler, you know, where are you a have you been on other podcasts? If you've been on none, you're not going to get online. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so I do need to know that. But do I go listen to them? Absolutely not. I just don't. So there's there's just so much to be said about podcasting. 
and I wanted to get into your mentoring, but my mentoring and training program that y'all need to rename for me, I'm easy to find. I'm going to launch it on Monday, one way or another, with a long name or a short name, but it's going to launch on this coming Monday. And the best way to reach me is support at yourpartnerinsuccessradio.com. Send me a note. Leave me your phone number. I'll call you. Okay, Ben, let's talk about, oh, oh, you know what? I, you said something earlier that I wanted to, to catch on. Hang on a second. Coughing up a storm here. You were talking about notepads, and you'll see my name up there. I was talking with our mutual friend, Tammy Thrasher, the other day, and she had been digging out boxes that had been in her closet since she moved into this house about three years ago, and she unpacked, I think she said, nine boxes. I don't even want to know what's all in all my boxes. I just, I don't want to know if I haven't seen it that long. I probably don't need it. But she said, it was amazing to me how many times your name popped up and I went, burn it. Whatever it was, burn it. <laughs> burn them. <laughs> you can't believe the police. They're all liars. I, I don't know. And half the time, I don't know what I just said. People say, oh, say that again. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> I was just talking. So just, anyway. I, I do the, uh, just to refresh my mind, what statement are you talking about? There you go. I'm going to have to borrow that because honestly, you know, we're talking, I'm concentrating, I'm listening. And here's another reason I always, and I don't do video ever, ever, ever. I never will. And for 10 years or better, I did this podcast on my phone. Now I'm using a headset. I'm all grown up. But for years, I did it on the phone. And you know why, Ben? Because as kids, we would grab that phone, we'd beat our brothers and sisters off of it, grab that long cord, stick ourselves into any cupboard we could get into to get away from those little jerks <laughs> and listen. And I have vivid, vivid memories of being, you know, all crunched up with that cord wrapped around me practically and listening. I was tight, tight, tight to my ear and me just listening. And I still do that. So I'm going to tell That's you. That's how you found my sister. We had a red phone in the hallway <laughs> with a long cord. You know, it would go into my room, her room, the bathroom, and my parents' room, and so on. So if you wanted to find my sister, you just looked for the red cord and followed it. And then it went under a door somewhere in the closet. If it was really a secret conversation in her room, if she just wanted to be left alone. And, uh, occasionally go under my door because she didn't think I was coming back uh, so soon. But that's how you found people in the old days. Follow the, follow the cord. And with me, it was yellow. My mom had a yellow. It was on the wall near the freezer and I would have to stretch it to get into the cupboards to get away from my siblings because they were <laughs> vicious. <laughs> they were really. And here's me, the only introvert in a, you know, a house full of just loud, obnoxious, extroverts <laughs> and i was constantly saying shh no talking no talking didn't work but you know so i think that's why i enjoy podcasting so much because i can listen and i can learn and i don't have anybody yanking that phone cord away from me so there's that but and and that's another thing if you're going to be a guest or a host you need to learn to listen and listen very carefully you know, if it was said of Nelson Mandela that he was a great speaker and a great leader, the secret of those of us who studied him is that he was a dynamic listener. 
and I've, I've done many interviews. I'm usually the guest, but occasionally I'm the host. And I have my list of questions, you know, like, like today, I thought we were going to talk about something else. I've got all sorts of little notes and so on put away. But if let's say we had stuck to that list and now you and I are talking and I'm listening effectively, at some point you'll see me just put the notes aside because we don't have time for those. She just said something that redirects the entire conversation. Now, but you don't hear that if you're listening only to respond. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You got to be listening to react appropriately. And that free, it's like when you're selling, if you shut up and listen to the customer, they'll pretty much tell you what they want to buy, how they want to buy it and whether they like you or not. Right. And if you don't shut up and you keep on talking, you just guaranteed that you lost that sale. Right. Because you talked yourself out of it. I've seen it time and time again. Zig used to, so I'm not quoting accurately, but the gist of it was, Zig would say, most salespeople spend uh, 10% of their time selling and 90% of their time buying it back. That's true. Isn't that mm-hmm. sad? That is just so sad. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your mentoring program because I know this is something we're both mentors now. Woo-hoo. You've always been. I'm just about to learn how to be. I'm excited about it. I really am. It's something that I've been told I needed to do for the longest kind of time. And I always had a reason. Oh, I'm busy. You know, I'm building this. I'm working with clients. And now I thought, no, enough people have said we really need this, that I need to step up. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for 15 years. I think I'm a subject matter expert at this point. Sounds humble, doesn't it? But I really am. So, and then you have been mentoring and teaching and helping people for a long time, but it started back with your mentor, Dr. Napoleon Hill. Yeah, it, uh, close to then, yes. I, I uh, uh, gotten into the quote big time, end of quote, in 1965 when Zig and I joined Holiday Magic Cosmetics. And then all sales organizations go through this. You have one salesperson who's doing better than all the others. So he or she leads the Saturday morning sales training session or the Friday afternoon, whenever you, you hold it, similar because they're selling the most. So that sort of got me to the front of the room. And I like the feeling. I like being the center of attention. And when I saw that what I was saying was actually helping people. I'm thinking of a guy right now who's making $600 a month as a milkman when I bumped into him outside the hotel Pontchartrain. I think that's in Detroit, if I have my hotels right. And uh, in a couple of years, he was making three or 400000 a year instead of $600 a week based on what I and others, but mainly what I was able to teach him. And I just love stories like that. You have a book that you got recently, Lamont Bowens, my uh, honorary son. We adopted him, but it's honorary, uh, who was a 19-year-old prison inmate drug dealer when I met him, high school graduate, uh, high school dropout, he said. And and I kid him all the time. I said, when did you drop in? You know, to drop out, you got to have been there to start with. And I had my doubts about that. But we helped him get his GED. Then we guaranteed a loan, helped put him through college. Not, no money out of our pocket, just guaranteed. 
and then uh, he really got uh, rolling and decided he wanted to be a lawyer. And today he's a very successful lawyer. Met him in the parking lot of Lompoc Federal Penitentiary. And the other day he sent me a picture of himself on a camel in Dubai. He was there in, on business and I looked at it and, and Gigi said, what are you teared up about now? I tear up when my shirts come back from the laundry. So I'm sort of a, a raw nerve ending. I said, this kid, and I held up the picture and she knows Lamont well, he calls her mom. I said, this kid came up to me, uh, 19 years old, in prison with zero education, had been in a gunfight with his stepfather at one point. Uh, and we've all had trouble with our parents, but very few of us have devolved into having gunfights with them, I think. I believe that's a first for me. And here he is on a camel taking a day off in Dubai, uh, a successful lawyer. So that's the type of thing that lured me into mentoring slowly but surely. And the way I got into it and started being paid for it was one, studying how Dr. Hill worked with me. Uh, and he paid a, a charge, a pretty stiff fee. He didn't like mentoring and had very few mentees. And I was his last one, the last two and a half years of his life. But I realized what he did. He really cared about me. He asked great questions and listened to the answer. And then just simply gave me the benefit of his age and wisdom. The day we met, he was 84. I was 25. And while I was heading a big company, I repeat, I was 25 <laughs> with all the problems that brings with it. So he just, you know, he'd been down the road and back and was willing to share with me. It's like hiring a Sherpa that's been up the top of Mount Everest 112 times. You can hire him or you can save money, not hire him and die on the side of Mount Everest as hundreds of people have. And then officially the way I got into it and started charging uh uh, a reasonable amount. Uh, Gigi and I had a running battle about the time I spend doing that. You know, if, if you know, I see someone looking upset who's waiting on our table, I say, pull up a chair. And, and we talk either then or later or whatever. And it's just in my nature. And she said, you know, there are people who make a good living doing what you do four or five hours a day. And I said, yeah, they, I'm sure they do. So maybe you should try that. So what I did was I set a fee, an hourly fee, a little package, a mentoring package. And I said, all right, I'll give it a try. Well, sure enough, as soon as there was a fee, about 50% of the people drifted away. There were no breakups. They just didn't call anymore. And the They're other accustomed 50 to having it for free. Yeah. And what is the danger with doing that? If you give it all away free... You can't something, something yeah. for nothing is worth nothing. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. yes, you do want to help people, but you need to be very careful about that. Uh, and have boundaries and so on. The other half that stayed, uh, I noticed, began to pay far more attention to what I was saying and report back and tell me their progress and so on. So half went away, half started paying. The ones that paid, I was getting good results from instead of being frustrated. And it sort of just became part of my uh, my bag of tricks. And Dr. Hill and I had already decided we were going to do that. We called it mentoring dynamics. Uh, 
because we already had three other seminars company with dynamics in their name. And uh, so it was a natural fit and he was gonna come out and we were gonna bring people in as potential instructors and they'd spend 10 days, two weeks with him, me and uh, the owner of the company, William Penpatrick. And we would turn them into little Napoleon Hills and he would, he would go out with, with their Okay, say that again. You have to say that again. I'm sorry. Just said we would turn them into little Napoleon Hills. Okay, thank and, you. And uh, they would go out with his stamp of approval on them. And it was a great program. It was an identical program to the way we ran four other segments of our business. It wasn't, will it work? We knew it would work. And then Dr. Hill, without even asking me, died. And I just sort of put yeah. it on the back burner. And yeah. then uh, thanks to Gigi brought it back and have sort of formalized it. And what I do is I am, I hate to say this, I'm in August 22nd, for those of you who want to send me money and cards, uh, August 22nd, I'll be 81, three years younger than Hill was when he took me under his wings. And I've been down the road. The Chinese have an old saying, if you want to know what's farther down, I'm paraphrasing, want to know what's farther down the road, ask someone who's coming back, having been down the road. Well, I've been down the road, the good, the bad, the ugly, rich, broke, uh, and just about everything in between. And I know I learned, uh, probably learned more from the bad times than the good times, but I learned from both. And I know what works. I mean, it doesn't take me long to figure. The most frustrating thing about being a good mentor is not dumping it on people all at once because most of it will be lost. You have to feed them as they're ready. Jesus said, meet them where they are. Not only meet them where they are, but feed them in the proportions they can take at the time. And I have clients now who've been with me for officially with me as a mentor, as a mentee for, I'm guessing, 10 years or so. And uh, some started last week. And uh, every, oh, and the other thing I do, it's not terribly important, but uh, I grandfather people in. I have people paying not a whole lot because that's when they started. And if somebody starts with me today, their rate will never go up. I charge $2,950 uh, versus Dr. Hill, who charged me $50,000 adjusted for inflation, $450,000 uh, for a year. So I charge $2,950. We have a payment program. If somebody wants to pay it out over six months, we add 10% to it, and it's $540 and some odd cents. A month, if they want it a year to pay it off, it's a 20% uh, add-on, uh, makes it $295 a month. And for that, I will do for you what Dr. Hill did for me as best I can. And thanks for the modern things and the things I've learned. I learned everything Dr. Hill taught me and everything a lot of other people taught me and what I've learned on my own. So I really have more to offer. And that's how I do my mentoring program. And it's, it's wonderful in that I really get to work closely with people and see them uh, blossom 
And, the, and I, I do it another unusual way, sort of what Dr. Hill would do with me. He mentored me. I could call him anytime. But uh, he, he came out whenever he wanted to come out, and he loved riding in the Learjet. So I think he really came out more than was necessary. But he'd just walk in my office sometimes. I wouldn't even know he was coming from Columbia, South Carolina to San Rafael, California. He'd walk in the door. Hi, Dr. Hill. How are you? Pull up a chair. And he said, you know, fine. He said, I already left my luggage up at the house. He had a room at our home that uh, was his, and he treated it like it was his. He didn't feel it was necessary to tell us he was coming <laughs> or where he was going to stay. And uh, He's part of the family. Yeah, well, he was. He, he became my buddy. And uh, so it was uh, a lot of fun working with him and extremely informative. And I think of that when I'm on the phone talking to somebody, what I started to say about scheduling, I don't do the mentoring that some people do where we meet once a week at three o'clock on Thursday, whether you want to meet, whether you have a question, whether you need me or not, we operate on a, you need to talk to me, pick up the phone and call. If you get the voicemail, I'll get back to you and we'll set a time, but it's when you need it as you need it. I've had people with a four or $500 balance be mentees for years, and they just rarely call. And when they do, it's a yes or no question. And I've had other people where we've spent serious time together, took their life apart and rebuilt it. And I'm qualified to do both. So that's basically the mentoring program. And listen, you've been mentoring me for the longest kind of time, even when you didn't know that you were mentoring me. <laughs> I know what you're up to. You do. <laughs> I was raised around Southern women. And I thought I was being so sneaky. Darn it. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I, and I've read Disclosures 1 and 2. I've read, you know, actually I've read 3 by Paul Democritu. You know, I've been watching you for a long time. I've been interacting with you for a long time. And I'll say it again. I have five favorite people in the world. You're in the top two. And I'm not telling you if you're one or two. So don't ask. Ain't going to happen. But anyway, you're in the top two. But what I wanted to ask you, Ben, is when you started doing this, this mentoring program, were there moments when you said, oh, this is a lot of work. I'm not sure I'm really cut out to do. I know you had some imposter syndrome about it. But were there moments when you said, okay, this is where I belong? Absolutely, I'm doing what I should be doing. Yeah, I have more of those. Occasionally, I have the other. But it's it's based on an individual. And what we do is we just agree to drift apart. I, mean, I don't mm -hmm. have emotional breakups and screaming fights and so on with people. Uh, but uh, there are people where we're really not helping each other. As I said to a person who I did not let enroll, um, he on about the fourth call, he said, I'm trying to join the program. Why won't you let me? I said, I don't like you. So, and it was true. He was one of those people who interrupts, doesn't listen, already knows, you know, and if you already know, why are you here? You know, as Jim Rohn used to say to people, a person comes up, this is the 10th seminar I've been to with you. He said, well, take notes this time. Or he would say, why are you here again? Uh, so I, I've had some of those, but most of them, it's just pleasant. I make friends easily. 
I work with people who, at least in the beginning, I think are going to be nice to work with. Uh, we make progress. We set goals. We move along. You know, what's not to like? As Gigi said, you're doing it anyway. Let's make some money and get rid of the people who are just eating up your time. And she was absolutely right. She was. So, and it's hard to the do truth that. Is, truth is, I would, I would do it anyway. I've just figured out a way to not let that guard down too far. But, you know, if, if we met in a coffee shop and you had a problem, I'd, I'd have my mentoring hat on rather quickly without talking about money. There you go. And see, and, and I know that this is who you are. I've always known that. But kind of like, and this is, I'm not sure how I'm going to express this because it's an idea that's been wafting in and out of my brain while you're talking. But, you know, you'll pick up a book, any old book. It could be anything, something you haven't read in a while. But at that moment, you'll open up to the page. It's like, oh, there it is. Yep. I don't remember reading this. What, what happened? But it's there when you need it. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the way you're mentoring is like, I, you know, we don't need to be here all the time. I'm not in your face all the time. But I am in here when you need that little glimmer of what's in your head. How can I help you? There it is. That's how you operate, isn't it? Yes. And uh, I find it's the most effective. They say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, I I can appear now that we have Zoom and emails and phones. I can appear when you need me, when you're ready. And in the meantime, I'm not lonely. (laughs) I don't need to talk to someone unless that person needs me. Uh, I'm sort of a self-contained unit in that regard. I've because of some of the experiences I've had, I'm perfectly happy alone, preferably with Gigi. That's my favorite spot, but I'm perfectly happy alone. I'm perfectly happy, uh, quiet. But if someone needs me and it falls into an area that I know something about or where I know someone who knows, you know, who knows uh, how to help you, I'm the guy to come to. I'm the go to person for a lot of folks. And that's somewhat of a skill. I don't mean to sound like I'm not humble, but it's somewhat of a skill. And if you can find someone who will work with you on that basis, do it. But most of the time, uh, the uh, breakdown in communications starts with, oh, there's a fee. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there is a fee. There's even a fee at church. They pass around that little dish and you're supposed to put something in it. Um, and you don't make change in the offering plate. (laughs) (laughs) It was a time in my life when I was tempted, (laughs) you know, all I had was a 10 and I meant all I had was a 10. (laughs) So putting in the 10 and taking out eight crossed my mind, but, uh, yeah, you got to put something in. So there went the 10. Mm, I would have been in the bathroom at that moment. (laughs) I would have found a way out of (laughs) See, you're not thinking ahead, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. And it's not like I didn't know they took up right. offerings. <laughs> right. You need to be aware of your, your surroundings. Yeah. And how much you have. That's a thing. That I, I don't think it came from that experience, but it came from similar experiences. When I leave the house, when I leave the bedroom in the morning, I know exactly how much money I have on me. You know, if I'm on the road, I might carry a few thousand dollars to cover uh, God knows what. 
but bad things can happen on the road or embarrassing mm. things. Around town, I almost don't care. I use a debit card and so on, but I got to have something in my yeah. pocket. But I always know when I zip up my pants and check my wallet, I know exactly how much money I have on me. Oh, we have a little niece who get a kick out of this personal story. We have a little niece who I first met her at her third birthday party. She's now eight or nine, I think. And because we don't see her frequently, she has a little trouble with who I am. And Gigi is the magnet when we're around people like that. And Gigi, how are you? She doesn't know who I am. So, so I, <laughs> it's I, I Why are you surprised? <laughs> so anyway, I, I said to her, you know, who am I? And she got that look, which is code for I don't know. I know, I know that you belong here but with a name I don't know. I said, okay, here's the deal. I am Uncle Ben to you for the 400th time, but we're going to up the ante. The next time I ask you who I am uh, and you get it right, I'm going to give you a dollar. And she said, fine. We were at a little service for a person who died. And she said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Now she's making eye contact with me constantly. She wants to be asked. So I said, and who am I? And she said, Uncle Ben, I gave her a dollar. And uh, her father, Jeff, said, this is going to be a fun afternoon. I said, not really. I only had $3 on me when I got here. And she can beat it out on me, but there's not going to be a fourth Uncle Ben question today. He said, you know how much money you have on you? I said, yeah. When I left home, three. I'm now down to two. Uh, so I, I'm having been broke, uh, I'm acutely aware that when we left that holiday magic meeting, Zig, Rucker, me, Rucker and I were in our car. We didn't notice as we left the trust company of Georgia building. When we went in, there was a parking fee on the way out of joining holiday magic or agreeing to cover the check. We just gave them, didn't have the money in the bank, uh, uh, I didn't realize that that applied to us. And we come around and there's that booth, you know, with a guy leaning out with his hand out. Yep. And it, it said $3. And you can't shake his hand and, and say, hey, no. <laughs> my name <laughs> is <laughs> Good to see you. So uh, we looked at the wall, obvious, uh, op opposite from him. He was on my left. I was driving. And pretended like we didn't see him and just drove right past him because $3 was exactly, by coincidence, $3 more than I had. So I just drove past him. I think the next visit, because I was in and out of that building frequently, I, I, A, I always had money for parking, and B, I think if I recognized the guy, I gave him the three. Okay. I'm acutely aware of what being short on money is. And with people in the mentoring business, you're going to run into this. Uh, you probably already have with your host coaching and your guest coaching. Uh, they'll say, well, I don't have that money. And that's the reason, sir, you need this program. If you don't have the money to pay to invest in Denise and her incredible talents, then the podcasting isn't the issue. You are the issue and we need to fix that. Exactly. And it is an investment. Yes, I mean, it is an investment. 
if you've got the time to go learn all this on your own, by the time you've mastered it, something else has popped up. Mm-hmm. You you ha- you've lost a ton of time getting your voice heard. You know, maybe you could have even been your own host by now. Just find out what's important to you. So, Ben, anyway, we're just, whoa, we're out of time. This happens every every week. So let us say goodbye to everybody. Your success is the mission, and the Closer's Inner Circle podcast is your roadmap. So join us for engaging conversations, enlightening stories, and humble, we're humble, and actionable insights that could redefine your business trajectory. I said it right. Remember your journey (laughs) to becoming a sales master and a business success story begins now. So hit that subscribe button and step into the closers inner circle where success waits. Ben, before I let you go, where can people find the closers mentoring program and how can they reach the closers books mostly? And how can they reach you directly? Well, to reach me directly, so if you're interested in the mentoring program, just send me an uh, email that says in the subject line, mentoring program. And of course, I'll have your email and your name and I'll send you uh, a letter that explains how it works. I touched on it here, but I'll explain it again. And then how you get the books. And we didn't do much of it today other than what's ingrained in both of us. But uh, normally we teach out of either the closers part one or two currently we're emphasizing part two and the way you get it and the whole series is you go to uh, stores s-t-o-r-e-s dot ebay dot com forward slash all one word ronzoni books r-o-n-z-o-n-e b O O K S, and although they're, they'll bring them to me for signing and dating, uh, they uh, have special pricing at that site and free shipping. And they practice what we call sudden service. If your order is in today, for instance, by two o'clock, it'll be mailed today. If you order two or more, they'll upgrade it from media mail to priority mail. So you'll have your books in a couple, three days. And all comes with an unconditional lifetime money-back guarantee, so you have no risk, except you do have the risk of making more money, and therefore your friends will hang around more. That's funny how that happens. <laughs> it is. <laughs> have you noticed that? I was never this popular when I was bagging groceries. I'm telling you. <laughs> that's the way life works. I don't understand it, but that's the way life works. <laughs> And if you want to reach me, Denise Griffiths, about anything, whether you're looking for web development, excuse me, digital marketing, or to learn more about my mentoring and training program, which is at this moment still unnamed, help, come on, y'all help, just send an email to support at yourofficeontheweb.com and be sure to leave your phone number. I will call you back and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Ben, thank you. Always. Makes Thank my you. day when I get to chat with you. You're one of my favorite people on earth, as you know. Gigi and I just love you. And it's an honor to be on your show. More importantly, it's an honor to be your buddy. Thank you. Love you too. Tell Gigi that she's one of my favorite people. Well, I have five. So I'm going to have to make that five and a half because she's part of you. Right. So tell her she just made the list. <laughs> 
She was always on the list. I just never, never clarified it. Never gave her a number. No. (laughs) So anyway, we'll tell her hi for me and I'll talk with you again next week. All right. Bye. Bye.